welcome to the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. Your hosts are Phil McGurk and Scott McFadden. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast is a roundtable discussion designed to bring a number of viewpoints on cleaning, carpet cleaning and restoration related topics together in one place. Good morning, podcast community. Um, this week we've got a bit of a special um, sort of information to discuss. It's about administration role and the importance of it. Myself personally, I think it's a, a very underestimated skill that um, I definitely see in the industry, not with just my business, but uh, all all businesses. And um, today we've got someone from my office to come in and um, actually discuss who has a lot of background in administration roles. So I'd like to introduce Lydia. So welcome, Lydia. Thank you for having me. No problems at all. So before we start, maybe we just give you a bit of an introduction on who you are and your sort of background and how this all come about, how I raveled you into becoming a star on a podcast. So any any background that you have for us? Yeah, so I am an administration all-rounder. I have a background in HR, high-level accounts, so management accounts. I also have a experience in customer service and just general administration as well. Yep. I have been very lucky. I've had some fantastic mentors over my career who – have placed a high importance on administration and helped me develop my skills. So my passion is definitely people management and leading a team of fantastic administration professionals. (laughs) How did you get into the uh, administration role to start with? What was the process there? Well, I went straight into university to do HR. I always knew that I loved that side of things. Um, Coming out of university, it was hard to break into the industry. So I started in more of a reception role. Um, got a background in accounts, fell in love with accounts, um, started to climb my way up the ladder. So it's kind of just been a building block of my skills, really. Yeah. What did you have to do with HR? What was that all about? Just obviously people skills or what's what's involved yeah. there? So it is people skills, but it's also ensuring that your employees are happy. Yep. So making sure that they know where they're going in their career, making sure that they're on point with their performance um, it's the little things as well. So making sure that you do your performance management, making sure that your onboarding is nice and easy for yep. employees so people want to be at work. So that's my whole job is making people and happy. And look, that was probably the biggest thing that we saw uh, when you joined our team was that that skill of looking at our system and saying, hey, guys, you need to really buckle down on your like those sort of skills. Um, will you been with us now nine months, yeah, about yep, nine, nine months, months, yep, and um, I can see the the vast improvement. I think our last employee we um, hired, or two employees that we hired, have been seamless and they've worked out absolutely fantastic. So uh, again, in this industry, it's very hard to get the right people, but I think the skill is actually how to advertise for the right people as well. It it's is. not as just simply as, hey, I've got a job, yeah. um, and I think that role has played a, a huge part in getting the team that we're getting together now. So I can't thank you enough for all that sort of thing, Lydia, but I, I guess that's why we targeted you, wasn't it? Yes. You know, so we, come <laughs> up, we sort of come after you. So so anyway, so today we're going to talk about um, that role of administration. And um, I, I, I'm really sure that a lot of people will grasp a lot more once we get through this sort of conversation. But uh, for most people, I think you sort of don't give it that um, skill 
that it really deserves because myself personally, I can't stand being in an office, but, um, you know, some people love being on the phone. Some people love being on computers. I'm not that good at that, so that's probably why I don't like that. And it, uh, it's a skill in itself. So, so I thought we'd just start off with um, a bit of a Harvard study that I've been able to find. Um, and the Harvard stu- study was about uh, considering the, the role and the strengths of administration and their worth. And the study sort of come about that if you have an executive role with a compensation package of around a million dollars annually, who has an assistant that earns $80,000, how does that organisation break even? So how does that assistant who's making that 8% um, of, on top of that wage, how do they make pro, uh, productivity and um, uh, able to get that money back? And it comes back down to, in a 60-hour work week, all that's required is that administration staff saves about five hours of that um, that executive's role, you know. So, And how do they do that? Well, you know, they might pre- uh, prepare materials uh, to be delivered in advance. They optimise travel schedules, enable remote decision-making, keep projects on tracks. Um, they filter distractions. Uh, they can turn the manager into a reactive type who spends more you know, time answering phones and emails instead of actually leading and doing productive work. So I think when we, we look at that, we tend to forget that we are paying staff fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year as an administration role, and we look at that and go, well, how do we get that money back? And I think some of the tasks that the administration role actually do on a day-to-day basis, if we break them down, I think we'll find out that you know, that 8% or 10% or 15%, whatever it is that we pay per staff member um, to get that money back, we, we can get it back in spades. And it comes down to getting the right administration person. Would you agree on that? Or Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not only about the day-to-day work. So for our administration team, the first thing we start with when a new job comes in is we triage the job. So we yeah. like to make sure we get all the information so our technicians are going out to the job. They yep. know what's happening. We don't have to do multiple trips, so you're saving time and travel there. You're then looking at the job from a different set of eyes. So if something's missed while someone's on site, we pick it up in the office. How do you do that? What's the process there? So I think the beginning is ensuring that you have the right procedures in place. So for us, it was really important to get the right type of reporting so that it was not only for our technicians easy to fill out the reports, but easy for the administration team and the clients to understand. Yeah, read them, absolutely. So a lot of work went into that. It's then about knowing what the technicians do on site. So obviously the administration team don't know all the technical side of things, but we understand how a job should go. Yeah. So it's really important that you have that wide knowledge of the business as a whole. And and look, to be quite honest, um, in our business, and it may not be the same with every business, we involve our administration staff in our training seminars. So we, we have a weekly toolbox meeting. Yep. Um, we invite the administration staff to come down to that toolbox meeting. Um, and it might be just a 10-minute meeting that they have. But what it is is what they do is they look at the administration side with the technicians and have a look at the complacencies or the differences that are coming up or the issues. And they try to work in with the technicians mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great, I think, um, since we brought that on, that's improved, has it? or what's Absolutely. I think the biggest thing for us is 
learning for scheduling wise. Yep. So we did carpet cleaning recently where yes. the administration actually physically did the carpet yeah, cleaning. Yeah, I remember that. You got so on the <laughs> We on had a, a great teacher, <laughs> great teacher. But it was great because not only did we realise that it actually took longer for the boys to clean a room, yep. which meant that our scheduling was better, which meant the customer wasn't getting pushed back and yes. they were happier in the end. And so. at the end you can advise the clients of that as well. They can actually sound... Instead of just saying, oh, it takes them an hour to clean the carpets, you yep. can go through the processes now yep. and they and you can tell the client or explain to the client, hey, look, um, it's not as simple as just spraying a chemical down and extracting exactly. it out. There's other processes involved. So um, so I, I guess that will come down to, um, you know, some of the financing skills that you have. Yeah. So how has that come about that this is a brand new industry to you, you knew nothing about the cleaning and restoration industry before you come, what was the hard part of learning the industry and then how the jobs come in and the processes? What was the process there? So any new industry, it's like learning a different language. Yes. But for administration, <laughs> you carry your skills with you. Right. So when we were looking for a new claims handler, I wasn't looking for someone with industry knowledge because that can be taught. Yep. You, you learn that through doing the job. I was looking for someone who had handle a, who could handle a large amount of calls per day, who did a bit of project management, yep. those sorts of skills because I knew that's what that particular role needed. Yes. So for me, the hardest part of the role was learning how the processes that we currently had in place, what wasn't working, yep. and then fixing those up to better suit the business. So, so there's a couple key points that I just took out of that was you get a new person in and it's a new language mm. they're trying to learn. And a lot of people don't understand that as well as that they think they can just throw someone in an admin role, a new admin role, and within a week they should be answering the phone correctly, all that sort yes. of stuff. Um, my point on that is let's just say I took you into a new country where you had to learn a new language. Could you pick that language up in a week and be proficient? The answer is no. Yeah. And it's the same with bringing on staff. So the next part of that was uh, finding out the roles that they did. How did you pin down the roles to advertise what you were after. Like you said that phone answering skills was yep. one. How did that come about that you had to pin down those roles? So for me personally, I like to be able to do everything that my team can do. Right. So I came into the business and I actually started working doing the tasks that a claim handler would do. Yes. A lot of people might, uh, for smaller businesses, they might have been doing the job themselves so they may have been going out for a carpet cleaner yep. or restoration company actually installing the equipment but taking the phone calls doing the emails yep. so I think it's important that you look at what you're trying to get out of the role um, for me it was ensuring that the phones were answered yep. it was ensuring that communication levels were at an all-time high so you kind of have to pinpoint the pressure points in your business that are causing you as an owner or you as a leader yep. And find someone to fill that role. Again, that's another very important, what you just said there, was identify the weaknesses. Yeah. And that's that's going to be a hard point uh, for any business owner or anybody in the business is breaking down, not, not finding those weaknesses, but breaking down the actual parts of the job. Yeah. Because not every part of the job is going to be a weakness. But if you no. can break down it into actually this is what the processes yep. and go, okay, this is where I lack or this is what I need help in and that's how you advertise for somebody to fill those roles. Absolutely. So I guess when you come to Wazels, uh, we were quite lucky. We had a, a lady in the office, Nicole, 
her, that was her job. That's what we employed her to do was actually look at every different aspect of our business, break it down, and then um, and then start building procedures yep. with that. Um, and what, she was an analyst or something. Is yes, that what she was? Data yeah, analysis. data analysis. Yeah. So I mean, I, I know a lot of companies won't have access to that, but we were quite lucky that we. Um, had noticed that was a lack in our business. Yep. And it's one of those stages in business, you can't do everything at once. No. So we got to a stage where, and how we got there was, uh, we felt our um, the documentation of our work was not at a level that I would expect it to be at. Um, and we did everything by a PDF form. So it was all writing down. So we, I built this form nearly eight years ago and hadn't changed it for those eight years. And we found that, and our company does a lot of insurance work, so we found that the insurance companies, well, the, uh, the administration of the insurance companies were asking for a lot more details. Um, and therefore, what happened was our paperwork, I remember when I started this back in 1997, um, as a restorer, as a cleaner restorer, that we just put in three bedrooms, we put in, you know, six air movers and a dehumidifier uh, back in three days. That was our paperwork. <laughs> so now we're looking at our paperwork where it may take the girls in the office 20 minutes Absolutely. just to fill out the first page. Yeah. Like that's how much information is required these days. Um, and, and quite frankly, the information that we provide, the other end don't understand anyway. Yep. So they don't have the training in it. But I guess what it comes down to is if they've got that information, if something went wrong, then they could go back to it. So that information is very critical. Um, and, and when you come along, I know that that was a, a, a vein of my um, issues in the office. And we brought Nicole in to break that down. And I know that you've put procedures in place for just about every single item on that list. And I'm telling you, there would be 120 to 150 items of information that is required yep. per claim. Um, not every every claim is going to need 120 or 150 pieces of information, but certainly the operator needs to be able to understand which each of them are. Yep. Then the administration needs to be able to stand at the, at the front to grasp that information to get it off the client. Example might be, are there pets? Can we get into the property? Yep. So is there a dog that needs to be chained up before our technicians get the site? Is there power to the site? Yeah. You know, things that you don't often consider that are very important because if you send a technician to site, and that job might be 45 minutes away mm. and they can't gain entry to that site. Not only have you lost the cost to get there, you've now lost that time frame that you could have put a job into that. Yeah. So the cost is enormous. So, um, you know, so we, we go back and looking at some of the skills. Um, what are some of the major skills that you think that you feel that are key for a good administration staff as a base level. Let's just say you've got a good team leader. Yep. Your team leader ad has identified the processes that you want to put in place mm -hmm. and now you want to sort of go out there and advertise. And now this could be to a single business operator that's now looking, okay, look, I'm sick of answering the phones myself. I'm having to be on the tools all day long. I need that administration person, but I just don't know how to get them or what to look for. Yep. What, you, what would you be your first step when you're putting out a advertisement for a job? 
So for me, especially in this business, it's really important that my administration staff are versatile. Yeah. So I'm looking for someone who has a basic understanding of bookkeeping. Yeah. I'm looking for someone who can answer the phones. All right, let's let's go through these if you don't yep. mind. Yeah. Okay. Uh, answer the phones. It's it's a whole subject in itself. It is absolutely. Um, bookkeeping. What are you looking for in bookkeeping? Is it just Look at an invoice or what's bookkeeping? So bookkeeping for our team means you need to be able to cost the job. So right. you need to understand what things cost, yes. what we can charge for things, right? Um, what our suppliers' requirements are. Yep. I don't necessarily expect people to be able to do management accounting, but we need to understand what jobs are profitable. Right. And my administration team know how to do that okay. because they can look at a job and know that a technician has spent three hours on the job we can only charge for four hours. Yes. So how so do we... Okay, let's let's explain that. Three yeah. hours on a job, but you can ex- can charge four. Yeah. Because that might come off a little bit wrong for some people. Yeah. Um, explain how we do that. So it's not just about the time that the technician is actually physically, physically on yep. the job. Yeah. You've got to think about your travel time. Absolutely. You also have to think about the time that they're potentially sitting in their vans doing up the reporting. Right. So it's all those little things as well. It's not just the exact time they're yes. installing machinery or carpet So, cleaning. So just so people understand, we have this issue with um, suppliers or it, that could be a private job. It could be um, a job given to you by an insurance company. It doesn't matter. The How we describe it in our business is time allocated to the claim. Yep. Simple as that. It's the time required to perform that claim. Not the task, but the claim. Yep. Um, now, we don't charge per se for travel there is a cost obviously we've got vehicle costs we we can't ask the people to bring their dirty carpet to our home or a factory we have to go there so there is a cost in that um we try to build that cost in by you know not coming back to the factory between each job we obviously go from job to job to job but there's still the tolls you still got the fuel the wear and tear the insurance we still have to maintain that equipment that has to get to site um, as you said, the guys, our guys, uh, part of our policies in our um, in our business is that before that claim ends, before that claim that technician finishes that claim, their report must be finalised and sent back to the office. Now they don't have to finalise that on site. Yep. They can. They can jump in their van, go 500 metres up the road, and finalise that report. And why we do that is because sometimes you can be at the claim, um, and the client will just keep talking to you and you're not yep. concentrating on what you're supposed to do. But why we say 500 metres up the road? Because you could be putting that claim together and you go, oh, I forgot this. Yep. You're still close enough to go back. You're out of earshot. Um, and you may have forgot a tool as well. So by finalising that claim there and then, it allows you to make sure that you have all the information that's correct, yep. all the information that you require, and then all your tools and equipment is back in the vehicle. So, so just just on that timekeeping and bookkeeping, that's a massive thing. It like is. It's, it's a huge. big part of our job. Yeah, and look, um, before before any of our um, girls in the office, we only have girls, so we we had a male, so not not being sexist, but before any of the girls in the office actually make a um, a time for our technicians and clients, there's a process they have to go through before we allow them to do that as well. Like it's yes. not hey, you're new to the job, just go do this job now, is it? So what processes, what learning do you have in place for that? Um, So I think 
the biggest part is triaging. So when we have a set of questions, the whole – everything I do is to make the job easier for the team. So we have a set of set questions that we ask. How did you come up with those? Uh. Well, it was a combined effort. So we asked the technicians, what do you need to know when you're on site? Yep. Um, obviously, we spoke with yourself and yep. Paul, the other owner. You guys have a lot of experience. Yes. And then we also thought from an administration point of view, what do we need to understand and know? Yeah. So you mentioned before about dogs. We also ask, is there parking on site? Yeah. Um, COVID at the moment, um, we have to ask our COVID questions. Yes. So. For us, it's about setting in place procedures that make it easy for the admin team. Yep. And we can triage a claim within five minutes and we get more information, more consistent information than we ever have before. Yeah. Let, let's bring this back down. Um, so my background is carpet cleaning. And uh, one of the companies I started with was very, very good at this. And I see a lot of companies that don't do this is they don't triage the client correctly. So when people call up, they don't understand what they're asking. Okay. Yes. They see it from their side. I've got dirty carpet, I need my carpets cleaned. And most people just ask, well, how many rooms have you got? And they go, well, I've got four bedrooms and a hallway. Okay, I can be there on Tuesday at 10 o'clock, I'm going to be there for an hour. What they haven't triaged is, is there a lot of furniture? Yes, absolutely. How dirty is dirty? Because dirty to a a couple that are retired, maybe a couple bits of fluff on the floor. Dirty to, you know, some uni students that live six in a room that spill their, you know, gym beam on a Friday night uh, and lay their clothes of it, that may not be dirty to them. So triaging questions or getting those questions that you want to ask is in peril, I think, anyway. So um, so what you've done is you've got together a list. and Some of that list come from the insurance company as well. It does, absolutely. Yeah, so what they're after. So And you have to remember that there's different eyes looking at the job. So you've got the client's eyes looking at the job. Uh, you've got an administration then that's trying to read what they're trying to say. You then have a technician that goes to site that does the job, that has a visual with their skills. They write that down that it comes back to the administration team. They're trying to subscribe that into something that means something off to somebody else because we know our technicians aren't really literate. They sort of... <laughs> oh, they do write, all right. They write, they write freehand <laughs> and Australian. So, yeah. <laughs> um, But then you've got... That goes off to the insurance company or third party and then they've got to try and read what's in that. Yep. So there's a lot of steps involved. So what have you done to break those steps down to make it easier? I know I wanted to go to a complete tick and flick, but yep. that's it, it's impossible still to this day. What have you done to start breaking these processes down? Uh, so once again, it was a conversation with the technicians. Yep. Um, we had a blank report um, and one of the technicians actually came to us and said, this is taking me too long to do. Yep. So what's the solution? He came up with, we do a lot of water jobs in our industry. So majority of our claims are water. Yep. So in every water job, you do the same thing. You go to site, you meet with the insured, you complete your JSA, yes. you um, investigate, take thermal images, do moisture checks. So we created a template inside the report for the boys of what a usual water job would be step by step. Yep. And then they can just delete out the lines that they don't need and add in the extra little bits. So that's saved them time. It makes sure we're getting the right information. Yes. Um, for example, the categories of water. Yes. We were forgetting to put that in. But now that we have it there, they literally just have to write one, two or three. Right. So it's simple. <laughs> it gets done and... It's all about making things easy. Yes. 
that that's all I can say is just make it as easy as possible for your staff to succeed. And that's not going to happen overnight, but that no. takes time. So and it, it's been a long journey these yes. past nine months, <laughs> but it is really exciting because we are so efficient now. Yeah. And you were talking about before about our writing skills. So when I'm looking for an administration person, being able to write emails and letters and that sort of stuff is so important because you're conveying with clients, you're conveying yes. with insurance companies. We need to look professional. Yes. So that is another big skill I cannot stress. <laughs> Punctuation, correct spelling. It's just the tone of the email as tone, well. Yeah. Absolutely. There is nothing worse than getting an aggressive email yeah. and you're sitting on the other end going, what have I done wrong? Yes. But they may not have mean it. It's just the language that they Absolutely. Used, so. And I, I think we've found, um, look, a, a small business, I started from home, and I don't have administration skills mm. at all. I have none. So for me, when I first started, I relied on the people that I hired to tell me what was to happen. Yep. Um, and over time, as we've grown, I've seen that that's not the way to do it. But that's the way people start. It is. So and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You, but the thing is you have to be able to change and right. want to change and want to grow as your business is growing yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, not everyone can afford to put on a full administration Absolutely. team. Absolutely. And, and even so, like even if it, as it moves, you can develop other roles for those people along the way because over time you find out their strengths and weaknesses. Again, That's so true. So we were talking just before we come on air, and one of your weaknesses you don't like confrontation. No. I hate confrontation as well. To me, talking about money or anything like that, I just it's one of my pet yep. veins. It's just I can't – I don't like it. I just – I'd rather someone just say to me – this is what it is, yeah. that's why, and move on. And I'm happy to do that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, this industry is we're, we're dealing with people that are in a situation where they're not thinking straight. You know, no. something, an event has just happened, um, and that takes a lot of concentration, time, yep. and then also that person to be able to deal with that. And I think we've got that now with uh, our new well, Jackie yep. uh, in the team. So. All right, let's go back to some more uh, daily tasks that an administration might have to come up with. So we've had a look at um, bookkeeping. Timesheets is another one. They've got to um, keep timesheets. Now, that's just not administration. That's also technicians, yep. management, everything, isn't it? Like so your staff will be on different awards. Yes. And different awards have different requirements. So it's important to understand what your team members are actually entitled to. Yep. And part of that is ensuring that they... They maintain accurate timesheets so you're paying them correctly. Yes. So, And that's that's another part of the admin team is to review those timesheets. How easy is that? That's not an easy task, is it? No, because you have to yeah. look at all the jobs <laughs> and you have to think, did they finish at 7 o'clock? Yeah, or? that's right. So yeah. you've got to have faith in your employees, obviously. Yeah. But you do have those checks to make sure that as a business owner, you're not getting ripped off. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, and look, as a business owner, I am the business owner. As a business owner, I'm pretty flexible when it comes to timesheets. But again, at the end of the day, I'm always looking at the bottom dollar. Yeah. 100%. Like there's no – if any boss ever tells you any differently, they should be, not be a boss. They should no. not own a business because at the end of the day, it we all we don't go to the shops for you know, a loaf of bread and some milk and can I have a kiss and a cuddle for that sort of thing. Like we all spend money. Yeah. So We're it's, here to make money. Absolutely. So it, like your workers, they, they want to make money. They want to be shown to be, you know, thankful for what they're doing. I don't want to – jump down and for a minute here or 10 minutes there like that's no. not who we are as but again it's that you have to have faith in your people that you employ and that's something i suppose 
um, we try to bring it up in our um, employment when we start to employ people is we advise them that we are flexible. Yeah. There are days that you may not finish at five. There are days that you may be finished at six, seven o'clock because of the industry we're in. Yeah. So there is a bit of give and take with our industry. So um, it, like just when you're starting to look at your advertisement, have a look at those timesheets as well and bookkeeping. So phone answering. Do we want to get into a bit of phone answering skills? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, Not so. my strong point. No. But, but look um, – Look, Lydia never answers the phone when I ring for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's caller ID. I'm not sure. But uh, I always seem to get Jackie or Yvette. So. They're much nicer than I am. <laughs> but again, um, phone answering, guys. Look, three rings. Um, if For myself personally, if a business doesn't pick up within three rings, I start to get frustrated in myself. Like yes. thinking, does this company really want my business yep. or care for what I talk about. So, um, so so as far as phone answering skills go, I think it comes down to not just being able to answer the phone but to understand the person on the other end of the phone. Uh, and for me, it's that three rings. If it rings more than three times, and think about that yourself. If you're in a situation where you're frustrated, upset or annoyed and the phone rings out or no one answers that phone, how are you going to feel next time you call? Yeah. So again, as a business, you need to make steps to look at your phone system and say, okay, if it doesn't ring, uh, doesn't get caught in three rings, where does it go? Absolutely. Where's the next line in that? Um, so I know you've done a fair bit of work within that. Yeah. What What have you done there? Because I know we've got a 1-800 number. Yeah. We've got landline. We've got mobiles. Um, what's the process there? With our phones. So our main number is the 1300 number. Yep. Um, it's important to make sure that you have probably two contact numbers on your email signatures because that's where people go to look um, yeah. look for the contact details. So if the landline's busy, it then transfers through to the other landline, yep. which then transfers through to the mobile. So you're always going to get someone. Yep. It's not only about that, it's about having someone who can multitask as well. <laughs> so if the phone is ringing and no one has picked it up, being confident enough to say to the person you're currently talking to, do you mind if I put you on hold? Put them on hold, answer the other phone, and then get back to the person yeah. you're speaking to. Absolutely. So in our job, especially during storm season when yes. it's busy, we get hundreds and hundreds of calls. So it's really important that you can juggle multiple things Making notes is so important for yeah. us. <laughs> so even if you've got a pen and pad next to you, just scribbling it down quickly and then making sure you update your database later. Yeah. Because you, you move. follow up as well. Like, honestly, like, so to give you an idea, um, I called my, I'm with Telstra, so I called my Telstra provider last Friday. Today is Friday, next, the following week. I called my Telstra provider last Friday um, because um, actually Lydia said to me we're having problems with our mobile phone in the office. So I called to see if we had a, um, a phone plan that was coming up so I can get a new phone for the yep. office. That was last Friday. So the person that I normally work with, she has retired. So I, I get a new um, person to help me. Now that person was on the phone, as I was told, and this was at 11 o'clock in the morning when I rang. On the phone, I'll get him to give you a call back. Yep, no problems at all. Now, I have two internet uh, two internet services with them. I've got seven or eight mobiles with them. 
Um, my bill is I don't know what's my bill each a month. A lot. Like it's yeah, it's, it's a, substantial. It's a fair chunk. Yeah. And um and and this is the service that I'm getting. Yeah. So you can imagine somebody that doesn't have this rapport with a company. Yeah. Not getting the service that they it, it's not only expect it's what should just happen anyway. Yeah. You know I mean it's not um, myself personally I I will not go to Harvey Norman to buy anything. I don't care if it's a dollar. For a thousand dollar item, because the service I get there is atrocious, and every time I've been there, it's been atrocious. And I'm a fat, ugly guy, but unfortunately, I've got cash in my pocket to buy stuff. I don't put anything on credit. So when I walk into these stores, I know nothing about TVs. I know nothing about um, electronics, that sort of stuff. But if I go in there to buy a TV, it's only going to be a two thousand dollar TV, and I want someone to help me work on that. Now I've walked around the stores, and not one person has even said hello. They'll chat to each other, not say, I'll walk straight out and I'll let the manager know when I'm on my way out. That's what you don't want as a business because that reputation hurts. And as a small business, its reputation is what you're after. So when you're employing people, how do you get the understanding that they can multitask, take these phone calls, have a good, like, I don't know, heart for people, I don't know. What's the process there? Well, for me, it's in the recruitment process itself. So when I'm recruiting, I always make sure that I won't hire someone who hasn't put a cover letter together Yes, because that's a test of their writing skills initially. Yes, they may have got someone else to write it, but they've made the effort. My second thing is I always do a phone interview. So I like to see how they answer the phone. They've obviously applied for a job. So if I get someone who's half asleep or who yep. doesn't say their name, stuff like that, that's an immediate turnoff for me. So let's let's stop there because that itself is a fantastic first step. Is that your phone? I might make some. That's all right. Um, yes, that's a, f- a fantastic first step. So we're we're trying to employ somebody that answers the phone in a manner which we want. Absolutely. And you're testing them and now they're being tested. And their tone of voice. Yeah. You can really tell somebody's how they're feeling by just their tone of voice. So whenever I answer the phone while I'm talking now, I have a smile on my face because it makes you sound happy. So when you're testing people, you don't want someone who sounds grumpy. (laughs) That's nobody wants someone to yeah. answer the phone. Who's it doesn't grumpy. matter how good their resume is, no, because no. that the p- other people don't see their resume. Yeah, it's first so, impressions. Yeah, absolutely. So that to me, and then the next step of recruitment is obviously the face to face. So I don't just do one face to face; I do two face to face interviews, okay. um, and I always bring someone in for the second one because I'm looking for consistency. Someone can perform really well one day, That's and right. then the next day they're absolutely awful. So recruitment processes while it takes a long time you don't want to get someone in that doesn't have the skills and who isn't right for the business because you are going to lose money on three six months worth of training oh absolutely look that is a very strong point you put um for the couple of hours maybe let's just say six hours that you invest yep um you know it's it's definitely worth six months of aggravation absolutely so and and again look we've been through that process especially with technicians part of our well um interview process with technicians is to get them to understand that this is not a normal job it's not a nine to five monday to friday and we all we tell every one of the technicians we do a three-month trial for this reason yeah that we see how you respond 
for a 4.30 afternoon job, you yeah. know, because everybody that sits on that side of the desk, pardon me, they want a job. So they'll say anything they want to say. Absolutely. <laughs> but you, you think they want to, like, that they think you want to hear. So I think that's a fantastic starting skill. There. What about email skills? How do you test for email skills? So when I'm sending out confirmations of interview times and that sort of stuff, I want a response. Right. Because when you're a business owner, if someone sends you an email, even if it's just letting you know something, you should always respond to say that you've got the email, reconfirm stuff. So that's important for me as well. Yep. Um, depending on how heavily they'll be doing um, email writing or if they're writing up professional documents, that sort of stuff, you might want to go that extra step and have them maybe sit down for half an hour in your office, give them a question and ask them to write a response. Right. It doesn't have to be something super complicated, but just seeing that they can string a sentence together will save you so much pain in mm. the future. And, and that, that simple question could be... Um, was the last uh, event that happened major in your life that um, really, you know, sort of that you're excited to tell people about? Yep. You know what I mean? So you, you it doesn't have to be business yeah, related. No, yeah, you've exactly. got you've got something they have to recall. Then yep. they have to be able to relay that and show yep. how they got excitement out of it, which which is great. So, um, so you talked about being able to dictate um, as you're on the phone. Yes. One of my biggest flaws is two things at once. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot do that. So, um, and again, that is a skill in itself. So my brother-in-law, to give you an idea, my brother-in-law was a triple O caller. And um, so he was on the phone where someone's answering and they had to continually be typing and doing other things. And so he gave me a little test one day to see if I could do it. And I failed drismally. Like it was... Not even close to coming <laughs> past the first sentence. I'm like, I'm writing the first sentence down. He's like three sentences ahead of me. So, dictation is a very it key. Uh, how do you test for that? Like, uh, like, uh, that one's a bit hard to test for. I think if they've got the, I like to look for someone who's worked in a very busy, busy office environment. Right. So during the interview, just asking the questions of how many phone calls a day were you answering? Someone answering a hundred phone calls a day is likely to have pretty good <laughs> yeah. skills in that kind right. of area. That makes sense. So, so <laughs> Yeah, it comes down to interview <laughs> questions for that one, unfortunately. Um, what about working autonomously? Yes, this one is a massive one for me. Uh, not only working autonomously, but also being able to jump into other people's roles. Yes. So I love my administration's team to be cross-skilled. Okay. So if someone's away, everyone can pick up the slack. So that is key. It is, yeah, it's math. It's yeah. a game changer. Yes. Absolute game changer. You don't want someone who just focuses on one area of yep. the business and isn't interested in the rest. Yeah. And, and look, on that point, nothing more frustrating than you own, like you've been owed money and you ring up the clients to say, hey, look, just seeing where that money is. And they go, oh, the accounts lady or the payable lady is away for two weeks on holiday. You have to wait for her to get back. So what, no payments can be made within that yeah. two weeks. So again, look at the um, authorities that people have as well, I suppose, yep. when doing that uh, cross-work sort of yep. um, sort of thing there. What about uh, Microsoft skills? Is that important still these days or is it more – I know with small businesses they still do a lot of like uh, Excel spreadsheets yep. and that sort of stuff. But as you grow, there seems to be a lot more online um, packages out there. There are. And now, uh, 
Look, you've been with us for nine months. Have you found a package in the market that suits what we do in our industry? Yes. Yes, okay. (laughs) Do explain. Uh, We currently use for all of our jobs a product called a scorer. Okay. So not only do we use a scorer, but we also use uh, Office 365. Yes. So I think Microsoft Office is still very important. You have to have an understanding of technology. Yes. Um, A lot of those skills are transferable to whatever package you use. Yep. So whether it's web-based or an actual computer program, a scorer is fantastic. We do absolutely everything through it. So we're not um, promoting a scorer just to let everyone know. It's just the program we use. Yeah. And to let everyone know as well, a scorer, the package that you get off the shelf needs work. It does. We've spent a lot of time. We have. We've spent a lot of time and money um, over 12 months to get it about 85, 90% right. So there is not that I know of one single package that will fit every single cleaning and restoration business. Absolutely. Uh, Be aware of that. But again, if you can find something that you're happy to work with, Mm -hmm. spend that time and energy and invest because how much time does it save to have that package? Like, I think for me, the best thing about a school, like there's – uh, many things that it has helped but for me the templates so yes. the email email templates it is one click of a button you select the email and it goes out so that comes back to the consistency yes you're not having to think about what to write all the time and that in itself has probably saved us 30 percent of our time okay so figure that out we have three office administration staff in our yep. business i'm not going to throw out the right number but let's just say three admin at fifty thousand dollars a year so one hundred fifty thousand dollars. that's $45,000 a year that we're actually realistically saving in labour costs that we can now put that money towards something else. And and this is what we're talking about with the administration role, the importance of administration role, um, and that people don't understand that if you get the right people involved, it saves you money in the end. But how how do you verify and justify that? These are the steps that you need to take. I think the other thing as well is you've got to look at the end the end goal. So our administration team makes our suppliers happy. Yes. So when our suppliers are happy, they're giving us more jobs. Absolutely, yeah. Which means that we're making more money. So it's not just about the initial stages. It's ensuring that the information is being passed along, building those relationships yeah. with the other admin team who the follow actually... follow-on effect. Is, yeah. yeah, it's Because it's, it's ridiculous. the administration team for our suppliers who actually allocate the jobs. Yes. So if you have a good relationship and make <laughs> their jobs easy, you're going to get the work. Uh, look, and that's I think that's a key part that people forget is it's not the insurance company that give us the work. No. It's an administration team that give us the work. Yep. So, uh, And it could be the assessor as well, like dealing with assessors. So, um, And again, if you're a carpet cleaner or a cleaning company... It's, it's dealing, do you want your to be building a client that repeat business? So, you know, it's those same skills that you want to have as if there's a, a, an issue or a problem, they want to have that one person contact. And uh, in, in small businesses, if it's just you and an admin and a few cleaners, um, if you've got a good admin staff that you can rely on, you can be sure that they're looking after the business mm-hmm. at the same time. So... It's it's perfect example. My dentist, I've been going to them for 15, 20 years. Yep. They have had the same receptionist. <laughs> and I know Priscilla. She knows everything about me. She calls me every six months. Hey, it's time for your checkup. Okay, perfect. Book it in. Because yep. I know her. It's easy. 
and she gets the repeat business. Repeat. It's a it's a sale. It's an easy sale. It is. Yeah, it's so yeah. by having that one person, absolutely, she is probably making the business a fortune just yeah. by doing that simple task. And it's consistent. Absolutely. It's just the same. It doesn't change. It's you, and you're you feel comfortable with that. That's it. It may not even be the best dental service out there. No. You don't know because you've been at that one. Yeah, dental. I'm never <laughs> yeah that's right. So, Hopefully she stays so and that's and that's what you want as the cleaner is you you don't worry about anybody else's services. They're obviously if you're making them happy, mm. the service you're providing is enough. And okay. the, the hardest thing about business is getting new clients. Yes. It's much easier to retain customers because they know you and they want to keep using you. Most of your money is going to be spent on trying to get new people. So yeah. build that foundation and get those customers it's key. to repeat. It really is key. So um, could you go through a couple other things that you may think that's important for office staff? Not, not only when you're employing people, but day-to-day tasks. Um, so if, if I'm a, a company that wants to employ a new administration team, uh, I have to be able to fill their day up. Yeah. So what sort of tasks would you sort of you know, want to fill their day up with? So there's the simple things like making sure the office is stocked, making sure that all the supplies are in order. Um, there are ensuring that the budgets are on track, that yep. you're not spending too much money. A big one is assisting colleagues when when needed, when people are away. Um, but that, that's, a, that's actually a really key point there. I think um, at the end of the day, labour is our most expensive portion of the job. Uh, for me personally, um, sometimes we use administration staff to go and get small items or something that the technician may have left back at the office. Yeah, it's better for my administration staff to run that out for that technician to keep working. Um, and I see this all the time where during the middle of the day there'll be a Bunnings purchase. Yeah, you think, well, why did they go to Bunnings when we have all supplies? So. Um, another thing is is that the administration staff are constantly liaising with the technicians. How are you going with consumables? Yep. How are you going with, you know, is this up to date? Another, another thing we're really into is our, um, our, w, our WHS, our, you know, all our, make sure all our um, vehicles are stocked with SDS sheets, yep. um, first aid kits, fire extinguishers, fire blankets, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, do they come to you when they s- do they say, look, we've had to use all our equipment or how does that work in our industry, in our organisation then? So we're lucky enough that we have a technical manager who yep. who deals with that side of the business. But that's not to say that if someone was to say we've run out of gloves, I'm more than happy to duck down the road and pick it up and drop it and, off. And that's the key is the administration know where yep. to go. They do. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. That, that's the biggest thing is even if someone's on a job and they say, we need an electrician, we know which electrician is going to go to which area. That's right. Which person to use. So there are a lot of um, smaller tasks in the day-to-day as well. So simple things like, is it someone's birthday? The Christmas <laughs> party is coming yeah. up. Someone has to organise yeah. those things. and. You as a manager or an owner or your technicians don't have time to do those smaller things. Mm. Booking travel takes time. Yeah. Making sure that flights are leaving and passing on all the information. It's a lot of backwards and forwards to get things organised. Absolutely, so yeah. There are lots and lots of little things. Have you got something, um, like if we post something, 
after this. Have you got a sort of a checklist or something that is available that you use for administration role? Or absolutely, yeah. yeah. I so we have our job descriptions. Yes. Um, and I also have a list of things that day to day expectations as well. Okay. Um, so so we might we might post that up somehow. Um, to to let everyone know, um, Kasi is the major sponsor for this podcast which is the Cleaning and Restoration Science Institute. Um, we will definitely post it up through there, but we'll see if we can post something through the podcast channel as well on that because I think that might be something that people might uh, really enjoy. All right, let's move on to booking a job. So we've got our daily task roles. Um, what are some of the things – it doesn't have to be a restoration job. It could be a carpet clean. It could be anything – what are some of the things that you look for, um, not only with the client, but w- with the technicians? How do you organise technicians to be um, not profitable, but um, on time, um, precise with their job, make sure they've got all the equipment they need? What are some of the things you do with the technicians for that? Is that like a daily thing you do every morning? Is it an afternoon thing that you say, hey, tomorrow you've got these jobs on? How do you keep on top of that sort of stuff? Uh, so for us, it is all about record keeping and putting our notes in. So if jobs are booked in advance, yep. we have all the notes online for the boys to see. If it's something that's a little bit weird and something like a client's a bit upset or they, they want something special, we'll talk to the boys directly about that. Yep. Or if a new job comes in, um, we'll triage first yep. and then we'll call the technician and give them a heads What up. are you looking at when you're triaging? What's your main triage triggers uh so where it depends on the type of job for us so we obviously handle water mold fire general cleaning that sort of stuff so we're looking at we've touched on a few things the size of the job do we need two technicians because there's a heap of furniture yep um how many rooms have been affected how much equipment is likely to be needed do we need any specialized equipment okay we're also um, triaging for workplace health and safety issues as well. Right. So a big thing in our industry is asbestos. Okay. Um, so we're asking, do they know what year the house is built in? Do they know of any asbestos? What's the procedure behind that? If you, um, Let's just say my home is built in 1974. Yep. What does that trigger? So that immediately lets the boys know that they need to be cautious and they need to assess when they're on the site. So just because a house is built before that time, before the 1960s doesn't mean it guarantees that it has asbestos. It may have been renovated, yep. but it just means that the boys have to be aware. We've done a lot of training with that sort of yep. stuff and we are the first people to say we need a hygienist to check because our employees' safety is the most important thing. Okay. So it's all about we give as much information as we can, but what it comes down to is your technicians actually assessing the job while they're on site. Yeah, following, following through with the triage that started yeah. in the office. So, yeah. uh, And I think that's that's key to part of the training that we do with our technicians. Like, don't underestimate training as well. No, it's, and it's ongoing training yeah, as well. Absolutely. You can't just give someone three months training when they start yes. and let them off on their own. It absolutely. comes back to those toolboxes, those in-house training courses that yeah. you run. It's it's so important to keep those conversations going. And look, at the end of the day, as an employer of staff, you want them to do it like my way because I'm the employer. Yeah. So as an employer, I've built a business on the skills that I have 
and I want those skills to be passed on. So for those who don't train, I think it's a, a, a big waste. And, um, and administration's the same, like continual education for administration and f- identifying weaknesses in your administration um, and getting that training. I know I've sent one of my staff off to a couple different courses um, on, and she does more of the um, account side of stuff. And it was just um, when we went to zero, like learning yeah. zero. Yeah, okay, so uh, for me, I got the basics of zero, but I'm not inputting data all day into zero. So um, again, if you use uh, any sort of uh, application or whatever it is, uh, we use probably five different applications in our our business. There's training that's involved yeah. in that. So it, it's mandatory in our business that uh, we give that training. And I think it should be mandatory in every business that, again, it's that they don't understand a new language in a week. Yeah. And they, they need that top up all the time. So um, I'm very lucky. The, the skills that I have are on that training side as well. So the ed- education I do is, is a lot of hands-on experience as well. And we make the time in our business for that training. And it might be, um, you know, it might be 20 minutes every week with our guys, but every month we try to do a half-day session with them as well. So we've done carpet, we've done tiles, we've done water damage, we've done structural drying, thermal imaging, documentation, photographing. Um, the next one we're doing is stain removal. So it's, it's a, it is a rotating thing, so you keep doing it and you get new stuff in, so you have to start all over again. So... I think that's a good point as well. In our industry in particular, we have, we're have we very busy for six months and yeah. then we slow down. But that slow down period for your admin team is to catch up, is to work out what didn't go well in your busy period Absolutely. and how do we fix it in the future. So even if your administration team isn't taking a million phone calls, you need people who are looking at the bigger picture and yes. saying, how do I make things better? And that comes down to you need strong people to do that. Yes. Because people don't want to admit their faults. Yeah. Um, and again, that might be something, one of the questions you ask and be careful when you ask that, for, listen to the response. Um, and I think the, the question they ask in interviews is, name three weaknesses of yours. Yeah. And listen to those responses because uh, they're key and that, that's where they're key in those and sort it, of situations. It shows that people are self-aware as well. Yeah. Everyone has weaknesses. Absolutely. Yes. And it's not and it isn't a negative thing that someone has a weakness. Obviously if they hate answering the phone and you're <laughs> hiring a receptionist, that's a bad thing, but a lot of the time it's important to know what you don't enjoy doing. Yeah. Because if you're going into a role and you don't enjoy the role, it's going to show. Absolutely. So <laughs> that's really important. And, and you're after honest people anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, uh, how do you run multiple teams? What's your process in running multiple teams? Communication is so important. So while we have multiple teams within our business, everyone has to get on with each other. Everyone's roles link together. The administration team can't do their role without the technicians and vice versa. Vice versa, absolutely. And so management's in there as well. It is. Um, and, and we rely on our administration team heavily in our business. Um and and again, it's 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 important to I don't, I don't know have those. You're talking about Christmas parties and birthday parties and those sort of things. I think it's important to have those sort of social events because it gets people away from that work feeling, but more to understand the 
person you're working with. And you know what? People stay in an organisation when they enjoy the people they work Absolutely, with. Absolutely, yeah. I and mean, what's the statistic there? You sleep 30% of the yep. time. You're at work with your colleagues for, I think it's 40% of the time. You know, inside, you know, you, have, you need to enjoy the yep. people you're around. So. so for managing multiple staff and multiple teams, it's also, it comes down to technology for me again. Okay. Um, we are very lucky. We have a lot of technicians, a lot of bands, and we're continuously growing. Yep. So the more people you have, the harder it is to manage. <laughs> when you're managing yourself, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's about finding that software that allows you to schedule your jobs properly, um, that allows you to know where your technicians are going to be, what they need to do on jobs. So I cannot stress investing that time to find the right thing for your business because that is going to help your administration team, your technicians. <laughs> Everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. I cannot talk highly enough about having the right technology. <laughs> well, technology and skills to work with that technology. Um, so we're just about out of time, Lydia. I could, I could do this for another couple of hours. I'm sure <laughs> we could. So I'm actually enjoying this. It's, um, it's one thing we don't talk enough about, and it's such a critical part of our business. It's, it's ridiculous. So... I really do appreciate some of the things you've done um, for just being for the nine months you've you've come on board with us. Um, it's changed the way we do our admin 180 degrees. It's a complete flip on where it was. And that's not anything against the past employees that we've had. Um, again, I'm not an administration person, so I don't have those skills. I recognise I don't have those skills. Um, and we went to the market. Well, Paul really went to the market and found you um, because you showed those leadership skills rather than answering a phone call. It's leadership skills. And if I'm being quite honest, I would rather pay someone a bit more with those leadership skills than having no skills and trying to learn from me because I couldn't give them those skills. So it's going to depend on everybody's, each individual's, business and where your skill sets are um but don't take lightly the importance of administration that's that's what i can take out of this because you can it it will cost you a lot of money in the end um and i know again nothing against the administration i had but i've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars from errors from administration and that is just it may be that the reports aren't getting out correctly um, invoices aren't being filled correctly, um, and all that has a, a, a kick-on effect where if the person on the other end that's giving us those works aren't happy with our administration, they're not going to give us the work because they don't like the administration yeah. and how they get the information. It's not being there on time, whatever. So don't underestimate it. Um, it's, it's a huge strength in your business to have a fantastic administration team. Um, but, yeah, just... Understand your weaknesses that you have. Um, and if you need to get out to the place, I'm, I'm sure there's professionals out in the place that help t- uh, people get the right administration, I'm guessing, yeah. is there? Or, yep. Well, you, you can always go through recruitment companies yep. and that sort of stuff or talk to people that you know. Um, as business owners, you network a lot. So talk to people who have a great administration yeah. team. They can give you advice. Um, there's plenty of stuff on the web as well. Um, I'm sure you're more than happy to help your listeners out if they've got specific questions. We no, no, I'll always. give you my one three hundred number. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackie will answer the phones. 
<laughs> but once you get a great administration team, it will change your life and you will not know what to do with yourself. Yeah, look, 100%. So thank you very much again, Lydia. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for taking the job serious as well. Like it's um, – honestly, I can't thank you enough. So um, I hope everyone got uh, something valuable out of this as I did and we'll see you next fortnight for the next podcast. By assessing this podcast, I acknowledge that the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, or surface, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in these podcasts do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast, or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and all links referenced herein. Moreover, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty that this podcast or the server that makes it available is free of viruses, worms, or other elemental codes that manifest contaminating or destructing uh, properties. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast.